This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with my uh, my co-conspirator uh, and frequent uh, online partner, Chris Parente. Chris, welcome back to the show, man. Thank you, Mark. Great to be here again, as always. Yeah. So, um, so we had this discussion uh, what almost two weeks ago now. Um, so, t- pick it up there. Sure. You're referring to a discussion that we had with our, um, ID, our weekly ideation call of GovCon marketers. And we were talking about, it's the time of year, right? End of year tactics for uh, government sales. And we got some very good feedback from a number of sources and thought it would make a great show and share the information with your listeners. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, uh, ideation is one of the communities in the government marketing university, which now is uh, part of another media company, but government marketing university is, uh, kind of a collaboration of 300, 400, uh, professionals in government marketing and our little group, Chris and I co-chair the ideation Group. So you can find uh, us at gmarku.com and search on ideation. I think it's forward slash ideation, but I'm, I'm not positive. Um, but we, we have a call Tuesday at 9 a.m. a Zoom. And um, there's usually a topic that we discuss, sometimes speakers, sometimes it's a free for all. So everybody brings idea. And then on Friday, we have another, which is always a free-for-all. But it's, it's just a great way to share ideas and chat with your peers in government marketing. And, and we have a really good time. Yeah, we sure do. And just to say, Mark, uh, you know, during COVID, it was, a, uh, it was almost a psychological lifeline, if you will, to stay connected with uh, colleagues in this market. And, uh, and then the information that we share is uh, very interesting and often extremely uh, actionable. Yeah, and, and a lot of it's frontline stuff, like Chris says, extremely actionable. So um, we, we had, uh, I think, 10 or 11 people on that call, uh, and we're going to credit each one as we go along. So Chris, kick us off here. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. How about Janet Waring? I like this one, Mark, because it's one of those sounds so logical, but uh, and incredibly doable. Her suggestion was to look at the traffic numbers on the FAQ section of your site. And the FAQs that are getting the most traffic on your site would logically be the kind of messaging and content that your prospects and customers want to hear about. So produce more content and if necessary, for instance, do a product demo if those 
traffic numbers on your FAQ page uh, indicate that that's what your customers are looking for. Yeah, I, I loved that one because it really hadn't occurred to me because uh, I've only been doing this 36 years that, that your frequently asked questions should be the source of your most frequent content. Right. I mean, you've, you've got it right in front of you. And then the question becomes what types of content are going to be most germane. And sometimes I think that the, the type of question it is may determine a type or types of content. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And of course, the type of content also is going to be dictated by your understanding of where that prospect is um, on the sales journey, the sales funnel. Yeah. And if, if you can identify who the asker of the question is, uh, wow, so much the better. I mean, you can, you can even start some ABM activity. Right. Exactly. Ready for another one? Yeah. Okay. Our old friend Larry Letow was talking about engaging your business development people. So they're out there talking to customers and prospects. They should be very aware of a client wish list, right? They're hearing what your clients and prospects want you to provide. So get ready to address that wish list at the end of the calendar year. And Larry also shared that you could also check with them if they've got any leftover dollars, they could apply it straight to that wish list that they'd shared with your BD folks. Yeah. And if your BD people are getting this intel, in all likelihood, you have a contract in place with that particular client. Right. So you're simply talking about a task order, but reminding these people, you know, 45, 60, 75 days out that they had this wish list. And it's not just your BD people. I mean, the more active companies do this. If you have butts in seat at a particular agency, debriefing them on a regular basis for the same things. What are you hearing? What directions? What are the pain points? What's, what is the wish list? Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, my friend, our friend, Sherry Essentio out there in San Diego, she's, she's not with the company anymore, but it was a software company. And she said that they developed a, uh, a blog post where they talked about their most popular apps, their top five apps. And lists are always uh, cool. They always attract attention. But the top five apps for their own software and, you know, this isn't a particularly exciting one, but it's eminently doable. And then your your biggest thing is to get your staff to share those, that, that blog post as widely as possible. Right, exactly, exactly. Our mutual friend, Mary Coach at Market Connections was also talking about having content tailored to where your prospects are in the buying process um, and being ready to offer them product demos and make sure that you've done enough research where you understand what these folks need from you and could potentially take some end of year dollars and apply it towards you. Yeah. I want to go back to, uh, to Sherry for a minute though. Sure. Um, 
you you do your business is content right how much of your business is that blogging end of the universe um you know it's it's funny you should mention that because in the recent public sector survey that market connections did blog posts didn't uh, rank quite very highly as to the content that federal decision makers were looking for and yet decision makers did put a lot of uh, credit and credence into organic search engine results well a steady cadence of owned media including blog posts is what earns a contractor or a vendor that strong organic search performance so I, I noticed a little disconnect there. To answer your question, it's a, it's a piece of it. Blog posts are an important part of an ongoing owned media strategy to make sure you're getting your material out there on a constant basis. Yeah, when we come back, I wanna, wanna follow that up a bit. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Chris Parente of storytechconsulting.com. Yes. And, uh, well, we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Chris Parente. Uh, Chris, I wanted to follow up on that because the, the blogging and one of the other things that you do a lot of, which is that bylined article type of writing, really helps position subject matter experts in the market. So... Talk to me a little bit about your your process for, you know, ghosting articles, if you will. Sure. Absolutely, Mark. It's a very effective uh, strategy. Uh, what you're doing there is, and you use the word ghost, and I understand why, uh, because myself or one of my people are actually creating the content. However, we're really reflecting the subject matter expertise of the client. They're the ones who have the information, the expertise, the perspective, the experience on the topic that we're talking about. Um, We're just translating that and making it into something that is educational, useful to the audience, not overly promotional, because that's not what the federal trades are looking to publish, right? They're not looking to publish why company X is so great. They're looking to publish something that's useful to their readers Um, and that communicates something, an interesting story, an interesting narrative that is uh, understandable to a broader audience. So from the perspective of the client and from Storytech's perspective, to use a little marketing speak, it combines earned and owned media. It's earned because it was a good enough piece, non-promotional, educational, that one of the trade publications chose to run it but it's owned in the sense that it was created by Storytech. So it reflects the marketing, the marketing messaging and the thought leadership of the client. So it's a great tactic. And, um, you know, I'm, at any given time, I'm usually engaged on, on that for a client at all times, practically. Yeah. And the, you know, the, the, there's two, from my perspective, added benefits here. You're highlighting a subject matter expert, and in, uh, in both the uh, uh, leading brand study from government executive and the studies from market connections, uh, information from provided by subject matter experts 
ranks highly in the buying process. Absolutely. Absolutely, it does. Yes, along with, uh, let's see, what else was up there? Primary research. Mm -hmm. Folks, uh, you know, uh, decision makers always want primary research and case studies and product demos if they're at that point in the buying process. Right. And yeah. here, here's the kicker. We, we're talking about end of FY tactics. These are the things that our, our uh, co-members of the ideation community at Government Marketing University came up with. Um, and that, that would include me and Chris. Uh, so we're, we're giving, hopefully we're giving credit where, where credit is due to the other stuff. But, right. you know, the, the, the idea that uh, end of FY marketing is radically different, I think is a little misleading because your marketing has to be year round and focused on your areas of expertise, delivering content to a targeted audience on a regular basis, and then maybe building to a slight crescendo or a stronger crescendo at the end of FY, but it's got to be a consistent play. I couldn't agree more. It's not something you just switch on. If you happen to be a product company, uh, you know, there are a couple of people, I think uh, one of them being Gail Bamford was talking about, you know, make sure that you're, you know, keeping late hours right before the, you know, the end of the month and incentivizing your people and perhaps even gamifying the process to, uh, recognize uh, high performers, but you know, that's, a, that's a specific case where you're selling a distinct product and you have the, the fiscal year deadline. Right, and, and September 30 is the end of FY, and I've worked with several uh, resellers, uh, value-added and otherwise, where they keep their doors open, their phone lines open, until 12 o'clock in the last time zone of September 30, because if the order comes from Guam at 11.58, you've got to be able to process that order in the last two minutes. So your finance people have to be there. And, you know, anecdotally, I've heard of companies picking up that last order in the last 10 minutes because the competitors just dropped off. You know, I'm tired, I'm going home. And uh, I think it was Max Peterson told me once that in the last 10 minutes, they picked up a 400 uh, PC order when he was still at CDW. And uh, he jumped on the phone and asked the contracting officer, why did you end up selecting us? And the guy said, well, because your competitor stopped responding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what a great story. Great story. Yeah. I, I love when that happens for my clients, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, one other thing for, for, uh, for the product companies and, and this expedites a lot of things for that product purchase, emphasize the fact that you are your smart pay ready, responsive, and happy to take that plastic any time of year, but especially end of FY. Yep. And I believe one of the uh, reminders that you shared with the group is make make sure that you include your business status. Put that right up front, too. Yeah. If they're short on uh, woman owned, veteran owned, a day, any small business category zone. Exactly. So so fill it in. Uh, Just make sure. 
and you know the other the the flip side of that is tell you know in your end of fy missives if you are on one of those 18 best in class GWAX or IDIQs, tell them, you know, right. because that makes it easier to buy from you. Right. Along with co- all the contact information uh, they would need, right? Sales engineer, yep. everything, everything they need in one place. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, don't make it a two-step process, boys and girls, because they'll find somebody else. Um. Let's go to Jim Marshall. Okay. I believe Jim was talking about, again, focused on your existing customer base and making sure that you have a variety of offers to uh, provide to them, low, mid-price, and high, and then backed up with specific news. And if you understand their, if you understand their specific challenge, even a white paper dealing with that challenge. Yeah, and, you know, Touching bases with your existing customer base at end of FY is the most logical way to increase sales anyway. They know you, you have ongoing business with them. Um, It's going to be easier to buy from you than, than a new company. So, you know, just reminding them if necessary, reminding them that you are there and ready and, Again, the business status, contact information, the contracts, um, you know, the, the, the program manager may remember who you are on an hourly basis, but the contracting officer may not. Right. Now, you're the, you're the expert in D.C. on LinkedIn. I've had clients that have had success with um, paid in-mail campaigns towards the end of the fiscal year. Tell them about that. In mail, uh, for those who are not aware of it, uh, is the it's a paid service from LinkedIn. You can actually send a direct communication to people that you are not connected with. Um, it is a I consider it. It can be potentially very effective, but it's all about the execution. Uh, you better make sure that you understand who this person is and what they need. Um, or else it could be perceived as a rather intrusive uh, message, as well as you need to make sure that you can get to enough people because LinkedIn puts a limit. I believe it's, it might be two, uh, two in-mail campaigns per quarter is sticking in my mind. Don't hold me to that. But LinkedIn does not allow people to get too many of those. So uh, there are, you know, there could be times when this isn't a good play, but I've had clients who have, you know, put in the time, done the personas, they understood these, this target audience, they understood what they needed, and they got a, a very good ROI from in-mail campaigns. Yeah, and if if somebody does not want to participate in the in-mail campaigns, you can go to your privacy and settings and opt out. There's all manner of, of things in there that can restrict what people can send you. And unless you go in there and opt out, you can get these messages. But I, I, I kind of like seeing them because it shows me, you know, some of the things that other companies are doing. Now, I'm not going to get the ones that I want because I'm not a Fed. <laughs> right, right. Unless, of course, you uh, don't answer the uh, 
the uh, questions that, that uh, are designed to screen you out. Well, yeah, there's yeah. always that. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Chris and I shall return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with uh, my friend, my co-conspirator, and the co-leader of the ideation group, ideation community at Government Marketing University, Chris Parente of, of StoryTech Consulting. And Chris, um, let, let's, let's do a quick shout out to Virginia here. Yeah, yeah. Virginia Walker, Mark, she had talked about, especially when you're company is targeting a niched market, the importance of using an uh, ABM strategy, of course, throughout the year, but particularly um, you can, uh, if you can hit them at the end, uh, towards the end of the fiscal year, you can, you know, juice some, juice some nice results. Yeah. So the, you know, the elephant in the room for us, somebody that we both rely on for uh, all of that statistical stuff is market connections so and right. and mary mary tossed in a lot of interesting things you've already touched on a couple so let, let's talk about that in a little broader sense yeah yeah let's do that um well i guess to start uh to start up high you know market connections um does some incredible market research to assist government uh marketers so from you know just the persona, the federal persona work that they've done. Uh, I've written about that in the past. Uh, the recent public sector content study that they did uh, in late May that I was uh, privileged to be on a panel for, and then you know the upcoming uh, sort of their sort of their signature event, the federal market media study that's coming up, I believe it's October 14 this year, and it's back uh, with in-person as well. It, I think they're going hybrid, in-person and online event Yeah, coming up in October. So uh, very well-respected company in the market. And, you know, Mary was talking about, uh, you know, music to story text ears, right? Having content prepared for each specific stage in the buying process, the sales funnel, uh, making sure that you're offering product demos. They were at the top, towards the top of the list in what federal decision makers were looking for. Make sure you're leveraging your partners. You know, leverage your partners for credibility, for access to customers and prospects, for success stories. Um, Leverage research reports uh, and make sure that you're offering uh, trials. I believe she mentioned that as well. So, and, uh, you know, market research can provide uh, the fuel for a lot of this content. And again, I think I mentioned this earlier, but also on that public sector study, primary research information they can't get somewhere else ranked very high with federal decision makers and, and other, other folks in other folks in town help you produce that research as well. Right. That third party aspect though. So you're not, you're not skewing your own stuff um, with your own internal research. Exactly. Exactly. 
Now, of course, the key is it's not just any primary research, right? You need to be focused on a problem or a challenge your prospect, your prospects or customers care about, and then produce information that is useful to them. And obviously, if you're a company that is working with a market uh, connections, you want those answers to reflect your thought leadership, your knowledge of that particular challenge and how to overcome it. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's, uh, they, they did a study also, what, a year or so ago now on personas. Right. Um, talk to me about that and the, the importance, because I don't think everybody gets that, particularly smaller firms. You bet. So... First of all, and this is no, this isn't news to you, but especially in the federal market, there are numerous personas that you need to be aware of. It's not just a single person. It could very well be a single person in the private sector. One person with budgetary authority decides on a significant buy decision. But in the federal government, there's a number of different decision makers on the business side, uh, the legal side, the technical side, the procurement officer, and there are also influencers. Influencers can't make the decision, but they can stand in the way of that decision being made. And uh, market connections went down. I think they, I think they were offering seven or nine specific IT-related buying personas um, that they have you know, specifically identified, you know, demographic information, you know, what's their, you know, title, salary, education, what sort of media they like to consume. Uh, I mean, this, this was very in-depth material um, that you can use to craft marketing content to get these folks the information they want. Yeah. And we've, we've seen in, uh, in the content study, you know, the first content study, I think, was 2015, and I still use one slide from that in some of my presentations for clients because it's, it's illustrative of where certain content fits at certain stages of the buying process. So the graph is, you know, the top bar, the stages of the buying process from the identification of whatever issue needs to be dealt with seven stages, eight stages later, the award of the contract and, and post-award. And down the left side were the types of, of content and where they fit. And you referenced this earlier, that sometimes blogs did not fit high, but they were consistently at about 25 to 35% across the board. I don't think they were ever the top item on anything, but, you know, uh, I, I've had people tell me, oh, you know, white papers are dead. Eh, wrong answer. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So talk, talk to me a little about that. When a client comes to StoryTech and they say, you know, we want to develop a campaign. Right. What do you tell them? <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> What's I your lot. budget? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, know uh, that, uh, that, that's certainly important, but no, I've got a lot of questions on that. I've got, so uh, 
one of the first questions is, okay, I, I, I like to follow the, um, a rather straightforward methodology, um, objective strategy, tactics, metrics, right? So what's, your, what's, what's the objective? What are we trying to do? What's the strategy that we're gonna follow? What are the specific tactics we're going to uh, execute on? And then do we have uh, clearly understood metrics for success? What does success look like? So those are some of my questions. And then it's, you know, obviously if they're talking to StoryTech and I'm talking to them, I probably have an understanding of their offering. So I'm not coming in um, at the ground level. I have a good feel for where they fit in the market. Um, is this, who's the, who's the audience? Sometimes clients come to StoryTech and the audience is, it's actually more important that they're, look, they're looking for partners or channels rather than the federal end user. Right. So I have to know who the end user, who's, what's the targeted end user? Um, and, you know, how are we going to, do you, what's your, what's your narrative? How can StoryTech help you refine that narrative? Um, our team spends, you know, we're always on the phone with subject matter experts, helping them translate their expertise into a cohesive story that the audience wants to hear and will understand. And then it's a question of, well, what format did that, does that story take? You know, there's, you know, there's, aware, there's awareness and fill the funnel and, and that's, you know, the eBooks and the blog posts and the shorter white papers. And then, you know, you move down to webinars and things that you start to gate some content. I usually have a uh, search engine optimization story uh, conversation with them. What are we doing there? Uh, StoryTech uh, does not have, does not, I don't portray StoryTech as expert in everything. There's a, too many people like that in this market. There's some excellent firms that I can work with and bring together a team on behalf of a client to cover things like search engine optimization, site building, um, those sorts of things. So those are some of the initial questions and conversations I look to have. Um, surprisingly, Mark, you know, it, it, run, it really runs the gamut. I mean, there could be some very, very large clients and they just need high quality content. And there's, and that's, that's great. There's, there's something to, there's certainly something to be said for that. And I appreciate them coming to StoryTech. And then there are usually the somewhat smaller clients who need a combination of strategy help, content help, execution help. And um, those are the ones that are particularly exciting for me personally, because when you're part of when you're part of the growth of a client, when you can see the results of your work uh, directly, um, that's very, very fulfilling. Cool. All right, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Chris and I will wrap up right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with my friend and the uh, the co-lead at our ideation group, Chris Parente of StoryTech Consulting. Chris, quick commercial. Give the uh, elevator pitch for StoryTech real quick. Sure. 
StoryTech helps clients uh, develop and distribute content to further their business objectives. Uh, I started out on the uh, on the client side of things, working for IT companies uh, for many years, and the common thread was sometimes complex technology that had to be translated for specific audiences. And then I went to a, a B to G focused uh, agency strategic communications group, spent almost 10 years serving the government market, primarily contractors selling their services to the government. And for the past six years, I've been on my own with StoryTech and we can deliver services with an experience level that larger firms can't touch, can scale up, scale down as the engagement requires, have an incredible bullpen of uh, 1099s and partner companies that can tackle any client challenge. There you go. And just to give you an idea of how powerful our little ideation group is, I've known Chris probably for what, 10, 15 years now? Oh, yeah. Um, easily. And I never fully comprehended how good he was at what he did until we agreed to co-chair the ideation group for Government Marketing University. And I got to say, it's been uh, a wonderful experience. And now he's one of my go-to people for brain picking. Uh, I'll even send him when when he has spare time, huh? Uh, <laughs> articles to review before I put them out there. Well, right, you know, right back at you, Mark. And I, I tell you, the if there's a if there's the other side of the coin to the pandemic and everything society has gone through because of COVID, it's been uh, the connection that uh, the adoption of Zoom and other platforms like that have created. I mean, I, I feel that I know some people on the GovCon call better now than I did before COVID. Right. Yeah. So let's give them shout outs by recapping our, our meeting from two weeks ago. So let's start with Sherry Asensio. Yeah, great idea. So Sherry previously not uh, is not with them now, but had previously been with a software company. And she suggested putting out content, specifically a blog post about the top apps that work with your software. So very logical very straightforward, uh, but also very easy to execute for folks that that fits for what their product or service is. Yeah. And the adjunct to that was uh, she did uh, with her previous employer, Arolia, uh, she was pretty successful in getting the people there to share that particular blog post. And that's, that's the key to any content is getting people to share it, getting it in front of the right audience. Absolutely. And, you know, real quick on that, Mark, you know, everyone talks about, well, we want every employee to be an evangelist. But if you don't support the process, if you don't give them prepackaged content so they don't have to actually write the blurb, give them the, give them the graphic you want them to use, make it easy to turn every employee into an evangelist. Exactly. I couldn't say it any better or emphasize it any more than that. Uh, Jim Marshall. Yep. Jim, again, uh, logical and executable. Jim was talking about staying in close touch with your existing customer base and making sure that you have a variety of offers that you can quickly uh, fulfill for them, low, medium, and higher priced. And, and then constantly offer them news and things like white papers um, on your specific solution. 
Right. Uh, Larry Leto. Larry gave us the idea of uh, tapping into your uh, BD and salespeople because they're the ones that are hearing about a client wish list throughout the year, right? There's always something your clients would love for you to do. Well, collect those and be ready to go to the client towards the end of the fiscal year and say, we've heard you, which is a powerful statement enough, right? We've heard you, we know what you want and we're able, we're ready to execute on it. Do you have any leftover funding? So Larry said that that's been incredibly effective for them. Yeah. And again, your uh, LinkedIn in-mail campaign. Yep. So LinkedIn in-mail, it's a paid way to send directly to a specific audience that you are not uh, organically connected to on LinkedIn. You had pointed out that people can get off of these lists. So presumably the ones that are available to be reached could be interested, but make sure you understand who you're sending it to. Make sure that your offer is appropriate. Um, and LinkedIn has provisions that make sure that people don't get too many of these. So you might want to check ahead of time and make sure that you've got a, you can reach a big enough audience. Right. It's that inventory thing, the same thing you're going to run up against with any of the major publications. If you want to get a message out at a particular time of year, you darn well better book that space that uh, whatever it is you want, email push or, or native advertising with that publication well in advance or doesn't have to be a publication could be federal news network. Absolutely. Last year during COVID uh, we were hearing, I'm sure you were hearing that the government publishers were saying, look, we're, we're sold out for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Sorry, but you know, try next year. Right. Book book now for next year. (laughs) Exactly. Oh yeah. (laughs) Like getting into K Paul's down in new Orleans. You know, if you're going to go to New Orleans, book your uh, table at K-Paul six months in advance. Uh, (laughs) Gail Bamford. Gail uh, works for the Imix Group, a distributor. Uh, So she was taking the moving product perspective and talking about ramping up your social media, making sure that you're making your customers aware of your offerings, and then also keep those late hours. Go right to the end of every single time zone for September 30. Um, and Mark, I think you had, you had a story of uh, a supplier who got a sale just because they hung on to the bitter end, right? Right, exactly. So uh, keep, you know, if you're a product company, especially keeping that, you know, midnight end of FY all time zones is critical. Uh, you know, I've seen CEOs of companies delivering pizza at you know midnight because it's midnight here but it's not the final time zone so um hey whatever it takes uh janet waring okay so janet uh janet is a uh online uh design and seo consultant so she came up with a great idea uh, of checking the traffic levels on your FAQs. So where are your customers and prospects spending more time looking up answers uh, to their frequently asked questions? So using that as a guide, you'll know what content, what messaging they're primarily interested in. Make sure that you're addressing that in the content you're pushing out close to the end of the fiscal year. And also make sure that you've got product demos ready that address those questions. Great, great hands-on advice. 
Yep. Uh, Virginia Walker. Virginia talked about, um, especially if you've got a niche product or service, making sure you're implementing a uh, ABM strategy to your existing users, which made all the sense in the world to me. Okay. We, we went over uh, Mary in detail on the, the last segment. So I'm not going to uh, do her Mary Gonzalez coach of market connections, but I, I would like to emphasize that marketing to the government is a year round process. End of FY is the use it or lose it, you know, budget scenario, uh, particularly as CRs get longer and longer uh, because the, the money, you know, you'd never know when it's going to become available. Right. So that that's key. So working internally or with, with whatever outside consultants or ad agencies you use to build a co- consistent, cohesive uh, marketing strategy year-round that may heavy up at end of FY. Right. It's not a miracle switch that you, you know, put on. For, uh, absolutely. Right. Any final thoughts, Chris? Uh, I, th- I think that if you're, if you're taking a uh, cohesive content strategy, if you're conscious of the content that your prospects want in each level of, their, of your sales funnel or your customer journey, then I think you're going to be in a very strong position to amp up in certain ways, like many of the tips that we just got, you know, look at your FAQs. What are your BD people telling you your customers want most? Um, You know, making sure that you've got product demos addressing the biggest customer concerns. If you're doing that throughout the year, it shouldn't be a heavy lift to uh, ramp up the resources in one area or another, just to put yourself in a perfect position for the end of fiscal. Excellent way to wrap up. Thank you, my friend. Chris Parente of StoryTech Consulting, reach out. He's on LinkedIn. The last uh, name is Parente, P-A-R-E-N-T-E. So Christopher Parente, uh, this is not my day job. I do advise companies on all aspects of marketing to the government, but I am particularly interested in, especially because most companies aren't good at it, the social selling side of things, leveraging LinkedIn uh, for uh, account-based marketing, for content marketing, for building those subject matter expert platforms. If this resonates at all, drop me a line, Mark Amtower at Gmail. And thank you very much for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. There's a better way to drive traffic to your e-commerce store. Harness the power of AdRoll Dynamic Display Ads. Promote your products with interactive ads or showcase your best offers with an in-ad video. Not only is it easy for customers, you save money too. Dynamic Display Ads lower cost per conversion by 50% compared to static ads. See the difference. Visit AdRoll.com to get started today. 
Your story. It lives in River City. Where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel. Where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another. Where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha. Told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald. Where your story lives.